Anyong, welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development Podcast. I am your host, Darren, uh, and with me today, I'm joined by two guests. First of all, I have Ryan Lynch from the Divisive Issues Podcast. Hello, Ryan. Anyong. And I have Kevin Lynch. No relation? Not that I know of. (laughs) Sure hope not. (laughs) Um, Who is from the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I like that callback to the pilot, because that's one of my favorite lines in the pilot. Definitely. Um, And today we're going to be discussing uh, Season 2, Episode 5, Sad Sack. It was broadcast on the 12th of December, uh, 2004. Um, And it was written by Barbie Adler. She has previously written Charity Drive and Alter Egos. Um, And she... This is the first episode she's written in Season 2, but she will write... um, four more episodes this season including one more featuring Steve Holt um, and it's directed by Peter Lauer um, this is uh, his first episode of three that he directs um, he's also directed episodes of um, The Adventures of Pete and Pete which is where he kind of made his his uh, his debut um, and Strangers with Candy and Chuck and as at the time with a lot of the Arrested Development directors he also directed episodes of Malcolm in the Middle which was the lead in for season one of Arrested Development probably the only other single camera sitcom at the time too yeah I mean given that this, given that we're now kind of at the end of 2004 starting to get into 2005 I think The Office started in 2005 am I right on NBC I think maybe that's, they had a bunch of yeah, um, reality show guys doing that um, show for the first few years. Though. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the directors were in house with Fox, so obviously that's why they did Mark mm. in the Middle as yeah. well as um, as well as this. Uh, and of course, a number of them went on to direct for Community, uh, which I feel is kind of a show that is close to the spirit of of Arrested Development. So I'm going to tell you the summary for this episode as it appears on IMDb. Some unfortunate pictures of Tobias wind up on the internet, which the military mistakes were pictures of Iraq and proof that the Blue Company was building houses over there. Wayne Jarvis, the family's former attorney, makes Michael an offer he can't refuse. Meanwhile, Buster seeks Job's help to help to provide motivation for his army training. So they spoil um, the big reveal yeah. of the episode right up in the f- beginning of the summary. Yeah, the first word, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's IMDb, so I guess anyone could write it. Uh, I did try and find, um, because obviously this, uh, the Season 2 DVD does not have a DVD booklet like Season 1 DVD mm-hmm. had. And so I tried to find summaries on the Fox website but they had no summaries at all, so... Oh, really? Because uh, usually Fox uh, handled the rest of development things so well. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any summaries for any TV shows that aren't currently on the air, basically. Um, that, Fox, that makes whereas, sense. Like, that, that probably makes sense, yeah. yeah. Current stuff. Well, here's the, here, here's the thing with NBC... show now, so... Yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing with, like, NBC, if you want... In fact, NBC had a TV show that had a pilot and it was never broadcast um as a series like never made it to series and yet on their website you could find the summary for the pilot which was never broadcast either so you can find the summary uh, but uh, you can't find the pilot anywhere <laughs> no but it's, but it's but but that's that's how much nbc have kept stuff is 
if you want to find summaries of any episodes of like you know cheers you can find them on the nbc website but for some reason fox if it's not on the current season it doesn't exist apparently interesting so i'm relying on imdb summaries for seasons two and three i would say to check the rest of development one or i'm sorry the netflix ones but um netflix summaries are generally ridiculous so <laughs> yeah but yeah so as i've already had both of you on the show previously you're both returning from from season one uh i don't need to ask you when you started watching the show uh so we can jump straight into the episode um and i feel the main kind of plot is um <laughs> as as was spoiled in the summary the ball <laughs> yes um and basically Mike balls <laughs> Michael being interviewed by Wayne Jarvis. This is the return of Wayne Jarvis, the former... I mean, they say former attorney, but he was only ever, like, interviewed. He never kind of, like, made it to being their actual attorney. Like, you know, he wanted to go out with Lucille, apparently, and that was, um, you know, kind of as much as, as he did. Hey, don't shame him. A man has needs, I believe, <laughs> yeah. is the line uh, he uses. <laughs> that is what he says. <laughs> this is also the return of Steve Holt to the show. Uh, in season two he was in a couple of episodes of season one obviously both him and Wayne Jarvis will return for season three and I would say like the kind of Steve Holt maybe stuff is kind of one of the main like B plots along with of course you know the stuff to do with Oscar and and Lucille and then we kind of get this weird running joke with George Michael yeah um, who doesn't need glasses but for he after getting a B on a math test he he gets glasses and they just basically make him, like, his grades start dropping more precipitously. Well, it's it's a combination of the grade and Michael's convinced that the reason he likes Anne is because... <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it comes um, up because Michael is talking to George Michael. And George Michael's like, oh, I study with Anne. And she's so pretty, right? Yeah, she's so it's pretty. Like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's your eyes. <laughs> but we start at the beginning with Michael... Uh, talking to Lucille, who says that... Um, it's a new prosecutor. It's a whole new beginning, a new day, a new case, a whole new set of lies. <laughs> and, of course, this is where Michael says he's not lying anymore, and the narrator tells us Michael was lying, which is one of my favourite things that the narrator does when he, he instantly corrects anyone. And then, obviously, he says, about the business, just for the record. <laughs> which yeah. I, which seems to suggest that he can hear what the narrator has said, but I just, I love that kind of correction. And obviously what Michael is doing as he's doing this, he's preparing a ton of eggs. Oh, this is one of my favourite, like, just background jokes yeah. <laughs> of him cooking the eggs. <laughs> that he's going to take up to his dad, obviously, who's, who's currently in the attic. And Lucille even says, is that for Lindsay? And she says... Because she's not scared to eat in front of me anymore. Which, of course, hints at, like, a much more terrible kind of, like, childhood... Um, for Lindsay where basically she couldn't even eat in front of her own mother yeah and then obviously this is where Michael says these are mine and there's <laughs> way more eggs than are really necessary for one person Lucille says I'm being lied on and then obviously Michael says wow now more's gonna come up and go down and the pause that she takes in between lied and on <laughs> is so long and you see on her face like you know a dirty joke is coming but she like really yeah. makes you feel it. Yeah, I think Jessica. I think that the weird thing is, of course, is um, in this episode, Lucille is happy for kind of the first and only time ever in the entire run of the show. <laughs> she actually seems yeah, content and happy. And normally, she's angry at someone. And this has been alluded to, you know, previously where Michael said, you know, normally she doesn't have more than you know alcohol and and an estrogen pill in her system. <laughs> So here she's actually 
content with Oscar and happy with this relationship. Obviously, this will cause tension with, um, you know, George Sr. It's just so funny to see her kind of just being so happy. Um, and it's it's kind of the only time that they call on Jessica Walters to actually to kind of play this happy. And I think she does it really well, particularly, you know, this whole all the stuff to do with Oscar. Um, and I, I just kind of I love Jeffrey Tambor as Oscar <laughs> saying that she's just so loving and affectionate. This is not the woman I fell in love with. <laughs> and then this Michael actually kind of gives us a date on how long it's been since she was this happy. And he says, this is the nicest she's been since she found out that Rosa could breastfeed Buster. Um, <laughs> Which, to be fair, that could have been like a year. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because in later episodes, or um, I think actually earlier episodes, in season one, she claimed that she couldn't breastfeed the children because of, um, you know, George Sr.'s nipple tweaking. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when that happened. Um, and this is where we get a cut to see uh, Buster and his um, his army training, which is, at this point, he's actually in the army. There have been some episodes where he seems to have been faking it, like when they had the funeral and and he basically had to borrow some stripper clothes from Joe because he didn't <laughs> actually have a uniform, because it seems to suggest that he's not actually in the army. But here he's in the army and... Um, I love how we get a kind of literal thing where the narrator says, Actually, Buster had hit a wall in his army train. And obviously Buster is literally like trying to yeah. get over a wall. Yeah, that's yeah, one of my favorite yeah. ones. It's just... <laughs> um, and this is, of course, it's where... It's super obvious, but it works. Yeah, and this is where we meet Sergeant Wendell Baker, who is... Buster wants him to, to yell at him and call him homo to motivate him over the wall. Um, and then we find out that there's a reason why Sergeant Wendell Baker is not doing that, and that's because Barry's previously Barry's, I guess you'd say secretary, I think was his his position. Yes, um, legal assistant, I think. Yeah, assistant, paralegal, maybe. Maybe <laughs> he had sued Sergeant Wendell Baker, and we see that um, it was prosecuted by Wayne Jarvis and um, James Spangler, which is the the character. Um, he says it's going to be a long time before Sergeant Wendell Baker calls someone private homo again. It's worth mentioning that, like the show, um, obviously makes jokes about Tobias's sexuality, and uh, you know Lucille in the pilot talked about the homosexuals ruining her hair, um, and they, you know, they were protesting on the on the boat, um, and you know there have been various mentions of people possibly being gay or kind of certainly with Barry Zuckercorn you know there's been kind of hints at what his sexuality is but this is kind of the first time that we've had the show using homo um kind of as an insult in this way I think it's the only time in the whole show yeah yeah and that's why I think it stood out for me a little bit because it's a bit unusual that the show would kind of um use this term in this way because I mean, maybe it's just, you know, obviously this show's from like 2004 and I just don't think that today, even though obviously, um, you know, the, the, you know, Sergeant Baker was sued for using that term. I just think it's kind of, it just stood out as being very odd. Yeah, you need some yeah. stronger language to make, to make the gag yeah. work, but. I don't know. I think it's kind of like when I, whenever I rewatch it, there's always that initial like, oh, wow, that is kind of dated but i do feel that it is done in like a very like kind of spoofy way where like they never use it 
unless it's like someone who's kind of doing it painted as like a more ignorant character. Like as we'll see, like when Job uses it, yeah. he uses it as an obnoxious bully. It's not done like as like blase as yeah. it would be in like I like a a less nuanced show, I guess. And I don't want to be one of those guys that's just like Arrested Development's flawless and like, you know, how dare you say anything bad about it? But like it's jarring at first, but I don't think it's necessarily used in a way that is as jarring as it could be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I really kind of only stood out to me because, like, later on in the episode, Job yeah. does. Yeah, there's certainly yes, worse things to worry exactly. about. Episode, yeah, so. but I mean, it was one of a few things that kind of stood out about this episode that I don't think would kind of. I don't think they would even go to the trouble of doing this. They might. I mean, given the way that Arrested Development bleep stuff, I have a feeling that uh, if they were doing it again, they might have mm, just bleeped yeah. that word every time it was used. Something which they actually do in season three is they bleep a different version of this word. So I think it's also supposed to be like a callback to Barry's earlier lawsuit. And don't they they use the word homo again in that one, right? Uh, Barry doesn't actually, because I think he never said it. He just says he just Barry goes to say something. No, but when he says when he he shows the lawsuit. No, yeah, I yeah, think he yeah, says right. that's he the does, last yeah. time Barry Zuckercorn's going to call someone a homo again. But we never see Barry kind of saying it. Yeah, but doesn't he? Uh, doesn't the paralegal say that? Yeah, so the, yeah, I think yeah, that's they the use yeah. the word just as like a to have the copy paste scene. Oh, oh, but I see what yeah. you're saying, Darren. Like we don't see, we just see yeah. the aftermath. We don't see the actual. Yeah, yeah, and and also later in the episode when Barry's about to say something. You yeah. know, yeah, he gets cut. He off. gets cut off, and he and he and he takes out his recorder as if to say, "Go on, say it. I need to yeah, redecorate right, my kitchen." Right. Whereas in this episode, you get both Buster and Job say the mm-hmm. word, and you also see the lawsuit. Now, seeing it for the lawsuit thing, I can understand that that works perfectly fine, but I think it's Buster saying it. And I think it's Job saying it that kind of make it unusual in this episode. And I think they would have bleeped it if they had done this. Even a few years I can later, see that, definitely. I mean, that's that's why it kind of stood out for me. But like you say, there are other things that in this episode that they say that probably are more yeah. troubling. Um, but we'll get to those in a bit. Um, and obviously, Oscar is looking for um, you know Buster to fail boot camp, and Michael says, "Well, he already failed day camp." <laughs> um, this is where we find out that George Michael got the B minus uh, when he says he studied with Anne, but he still got a B minus. And Michael says Anne got you a B minus, and then obviously you know he says she's an expert in math. Isn't that cute? And Michael's like, is it? <laughs> and then I, I just kind of love that you know um, Michael says that uh, he, he when when we get the whole thing about um, you know he says he put the answer down. He goes, oh, I went with like my fifth choice. And of course, Michael's like, never settle for fifth choice. And it's obvious to us who he's referring to. <laughs> but I just, I love the kind of wistful way that Michael Saris talks about Anne and he says, I wish I could draw her nose. Which is such a, such an odd thing I to say. I just love how many different ways throughout the show they have Michael make some reference about Anne based on like literally anything George Michael's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, um, you know, this is where Michael says that he'll call the eye doctor and uh, he's going to set him up with an appointment. And I, actually, George Michael's eye test is one of my favorite things because it's just kind of like I love how we've got this kind of like indecisiveness has already been set up with the whole fifth choice thing. 
And obviously, if you've got an eye test, you don't want to be indecisive. Yeah, there's no there's no wrong answer to it unless you're George Michael, in which case you have to get it right. So you just yeah. keep on trying. So this scene has actually given me like anxiety when I go to get eye tests, and I'm like, what if I'm what if I like mess this up? And I won't be able to see anything. It's number one still on the table. Yeah, but even from the beginning of this scene with George Michael, he's so animate. Like, I don't need glasses. You're not listening to me, and Michael just totally ignores him. Which is such a common theme, but it's so prevalent here. And when Tobias enters, he um, he's he's going to the gym, and I love how he takes the eggs, and he's like, "I'll have to take them to go," despite the fact that those eggs weren't for him. Um, though obviously, a couple of episodes earlier, in fact, it might have even been the previous episode, somebody stole all his hard-boiled eggs, um, and that was uh, George Senior's. <laughs> so, I guess turnabout's fair play in this case. Um, and then obviously, you know, he gives Michael his number saying if the, if the Blue Man group calls and they need an understudy, which obviously they don't. And he says that he found out that his cellular telephone was a lemon. It didn't work. And I love how Lindsay's like, Coincidentally, neither do you. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is quite a solid burn from Lindsay. Of course, Michael says that's a pretty brave card for you to play. Um, and he's not wrong. And then obviously this is where Lindsay is kind of expressing her anger that Tobias is getting in shape for a bunch of slutty gym rats, which I don't know that he is. Like, I'm not sure why Tobias is going to the gym, it, but, it, you know, it, it just kind of makes a great uh, joke. Um, and this is where we find out, obviously it's obvious if you're watching the episode um, that Lindsay's voice is all uh, kind of cracked and um, we find out that this is because she's been frequenting singles clubs. Um, and we see her in like a bar and she's <laughs> screaming the word woo at people. <laughs> and I don't know. For some reason it's not working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of love how unsuccessful this open marriage thing is because it's kind of like a very solid... Because when it was introduced, you know, Tobias was telling telling Lindsay, you know, like... It never works. People are deluded. And then he's like, but it could work for us. And I like how like that kind of optimism was completely wrong and how it hasn't worked for them at all, which is mostly because Tobias was painting himself blue and following Lindsay everywhere. <laughs> but I love how when when Lindsay asks, you know, like Michael says it's it's not a competition. And Lindsay says, of course it is. That's why they call it scoring. And then I like when Michael says, maybe in the 70s, and Lindsay misinterprets this as that's like a, a count for Tobias. And she's like, that many? We've only been doing this for a month. <laughs> uh, which I kind of I kind of like. And then this is where Michael suggests that, that Lindsay spends time with Maybe. And we find out that Maybe has been wooing uh, a man of her own um, in Steve Holt. Um and of course, as he rings the doorbell, maybe asks, who is it? And he just says, Evil! In his classic trademark fashion. <laughs> yeah. And I love the way you see his arms go up through the glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, um, there is a little joke here where where Steve Holt is delivering a Memories of Thanksgiving basket, which, if, which as this episode was broadcast, was like a fortnight earlier. I kind of like that. And you're right in that maybe he says he's 19. Um, uh, he's a senior at my high school and this is where <laughs> the narrator says and had been for several years and we get to see in quick succession <laughs> the uh, the different quotes that he's given for the, the yearbooks uh, which I think uh, they start off with I'm out of here 
Uh, and then the second one is <laughs> see you suckers and then the third one which has got his like most sober kind of face is like study hard guys trust me um i also like his his after school activities are football and then drama which is a throwback to season one and then food <laughs> services so i guess he just works at the school now while he's going <laughs> yeah uh, and you're right in that the, the the drama does so. It, obviously, this that it was kind of like his second year of being a senior when he was taking part in the play with maybe. Um, yeah. When he he's doing drama. Yeah. So I just and I obviously I'm not going to go through all of the jokes, but there's like a lot of. I love too how his 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 picture just keeps on getting less and less enthusiastic <laughs> over the years. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of kind of like jokes all around on 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 that particular page. Uh, they're obviously worth seeing, um, but I'm not going to list them all because they're just they're just uh, they're just really funny. And then obviously, you know, Lindsay uh, it, it wants to spend more time with her daughter, uh, and that will lead to um, maybe not wanting to spend time with Lindsay. Basically, uh, in the previous episode, she was trying to get emancipated from her parents, but. She seems to have given up on that quite quickly. Like most of maybe schemes. Yeah. yeah. By the time Michael arrives in the attic, he's he's wearing uh, Tracy's maternity clothes, and George asks where his eggs are, and I love how Michael goes, Doctor says they're bad for the baby. <laughs> um, and th- this is where we get to see George Sr. kind of at his most pathetic, trying to open a can of ham. <laughs> have you ever gotten a gift basket that has cans of like meat in it? Oh, I feel like Thanksgiving that... <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that wouldn't hold well on like a, a like a centerpiece basket. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in our family, I remember when we used to have Christmas hampers, and they used to have this canned ham in, uh, and it used to have like a little key that you would have to hook into the side of it and go all the way around. I guess I've only gotten like fruit baskets and maybe like dessert baskets, so maybe I'm in the minority and I don't get like meat <laughs> baskets. <laughs> It wasn't a basket of meat. It was just a basket of various foods that happened to have canned ham in it. Yeah, there's probably cranberry sauce in there. Yeah. I think that's semantics. If I get Some a basket pie. and there's meat in it, I'm going to call it a meat basket. <laughs> All it said was memories of Thanksgiving. So that could be anything. <laughs> could have any memories true, about Thanksgiving. True. It's vague enough. Um, and this is where George protests his innocence, where he says he had no idea that there were sanctions against uh, Iraq. Um <laughs> <laughs> And this is the first hint of a storyline that will take almost a year to get paid off, where he says, they sent me over there. Um, so, and of course, this is, I love I loved the kind of juxtaposition of him saying, do I look like a criminal mastermind to you? Uh, how do you get this ham open? I, I can't, I can't get this ham open. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of, I like how it's kind of shot from above. So he kind of looks a little bit pathetic as he's just trying to get into this, this one can. And this is where we see that, of course, George is angry that that you know Oscar is is still there. Um, and as he says, "Your mother happens to be just stuffing my brother." That's all. I just kind of <laughs> I love that word choice. <laughs> yeah. The the fact that he calls it that means that he's ready. <laughs> yes, um, he is a rabbi after all. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that is kind of a little nod to his conversion. And this is where we set up this really weird kind of test, where George Senior um, says he'll leave if Lucille isn't in love with Oscar. Um, and then, obviously, later in the episode, he will tell. No, he'll him. leave if she is in love with him. Right. Okay. I, I, this 
I'm going to be honest, this always completely confuses me because it's like later on he proves that she is in love with Oscar, so he decides to leave, but then he decides to stay, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I'll I'll explain it all at the end. Okay, <laughs> when we get to the resolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was definitely confused at times, but I think I figured it out. Okay, George, as the scene finishes. He he just peels the lid off and he goes, oh, isn't that clever? <laughs> I love how he kind of just figures it out by himself. George Michael's eye exam, just so much fun, where the optometrist says one or two, and George Michael's like two. No, no one. And then he's like two or three, and he's like three. Uh, unless three is too much of an improvement. I'm sorry, is one is one in the mix still? <laughs> <laughs> and it... Uh, I just, I just love how if you're getting your eyes tested, you really can't just be picking whatever you think the optometrist wants you to say. You really want to get yeah. the the thing that makes it so that you can see what's going on. It's so in character for him, though. It's like it's perfect. <laughs> he's also never had to wear glasses before, and he's being told by his dad that he has to wear glasses. So I could see him being like, "Do I want to like make my dad happy?" Or like, I also. <laughs> He obviously doesn't know how to talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, but that's a fun little scene, um, and I th- I think it's worth mentioning here that there is a there is a shortcut scene which I think comes kind of in the middle of all the maybe um, Lindsay stuff, um, where we we see that that George Michael goes to the nurse because he's been getting headaches because of these glasses, and you know he calls his his dad and he's he's telling him that basically he's getting headaches from the the glasses and his dad's just like okay um maybe you need to get some new glasses <laughs> just completely ignoring <laughs> the situation michael meets with um wayne jarvis and this is where we kind of get the first kind of this will become like a bit of a running joke which is the patriot act and wayne jarvis whenever asked why he's doing something he'll always say the patriot act read it i think um i'm trying to remember is it john michael higgins that's the name of the actor who's playing Wayne Jarvis. I believe so. Yeah, he is... Uh, yeah. yeah, he's fantastic, obviously, as Wayne Jarvis. He was great in season one, but I think returning here, they kind of... They they take his character, now that he's a prosecutor, and they they make him kind of even more serious than he was. Like, I think in the first season, he could have been amusing if he wanted to, and he had a certain amount of emotions, um, particularly, you know, when it came to his needs... Uh, with regards to Lucille. Um, but from this point on, his character is a lot more kind of robotic and humorless. Um, whereas before, like he enjoyed small talk here. He literally won't engage in anything other than kind of professional talk. And I, I like how they, they talk to Job and what in Jarvis says, he appears to know nothing. And then when they show him being grilled, he says, I don't know anything about the business. I told you. And Wayne Jarvis you know, says... We're going to get you, Booth. We'll give you a few minutes to think about what you want to do. And then he, he says to um, show, He knows less than anyone we have ever questioned. Uh, <laughs> and I love how Job is kind of like the man who knew too little because he doesn't even realise how little he knows. And he... I think he's attempting to hang himself when... Yeah, he's convinced he's going down <laughs> yeah. for all the crimes. <laughs> and at this point, Michael also brings up an example of how little... Job knows. Yeah, that I think Kevin, you mentioned that you really <laughs> yes. love this, right? Well, he, he he tried to microwave a ding dong in his foil twice, <laughs> which a you think he would learn his lesson after the first one, and b 
why is he microwaving ding-dongs? Yeah, like, I've been eating ding-dongs my whole life, and I've never had them in... I've never felt the need to microwave one. Did you just... But then Barry does it later, too. I know. Yeah. And I love how Wayne Jarvis questions the, the, the twice, and Michael just goes, yeah. two times. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they kind of both know how, how, how it's kind of stupid that is. And then I kind of I like how Wayne Jarvis attempts to say something to Michael that completely goes over the top of Barry's head, uh, where he's like, you know, yeah. there might be something in you if you find in it for you if you find a certain someone. And uh, Barry's just like, did you follow any of that? <laughs> and I, I like I like how he's like, you know, if you know where your father is, give me a high five. <laughs> Yeah, as if that would, like, like they're whispering. It doesn't matter how he tells him. Wayne's not going to know. Yeah, um, and then obviously... Yeah, yeah later when, when they're in the break room, he, like, he's still, like, he's holding up his hand. Yeah, he's like, just it's, just, it's just you and me now, huh? And he just holds his hand up. Um, and then obviously, you know, this is this is when he t- he tells him that, um, you know, George Sr.'s back in town um, because he wants to know if he's still got a shot with her. And I love how Barry goes, Oh, if he's got a shot with her, just give me a little tap on the fanny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, such a weird thing that Barry wants people touching him as an indication of things that apparently they can't kind of say out loud. Yeah. And then obviously Barry does what Job has done and he microwaves something with the foil on. Uh, once again, underlining his kind of incompetency, and he he's doesn't even real—he doesn't even realize what he does is stupid because he's like, "Oh, I wanted to eat that." Like he just regrets <laughs> that he doesn't get the snack now. Then, of course, we find out that um, you know Job had always provided, had always been a good motivator for Buster. But I like that, like Buster, um, you know, wanting to be motivated. So he can stay in the army, which I don't know why he would want that. But, you know, he de- he decides to kind of find Job. But unfortunately, Job is kind of like at a low point. <laughs> so he's not going to be very good at motivating people. Um, you know, and obviously Buster asks him to go to the old parade ground with him. Um, and Tobias then says... If he, he he might he be able to borrow his cellular telephone, and I love how he insists on calling it a cellular telephone. Like he never <laughs> yeah. says he never says cell phone at any point. He always says the full thing, uh, and I like how Job's. Well, most of his references are like way outdated. Like when he refers to them as the the lunts. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He he. All of his references are like obviously older than he is. I mean, I I guess. Um, I guess it could be argued that at this point, like, cell phones weren't complete, like, they were still kind of a little bit, um, like, not... Co- well, smartphones. I think it's, yeah. like, a, a Blackberry or something. Yeah, I don't think they were... Because he's, he's an important CEO. He needs a fancy phone. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't... Well, like, at I, this I, point, we don't even really say telephone that much. <laughs> like, no. We always just say phone. <laughs> yeah, but I think at this point, like, I don't think cell phones are completely penetrated everywhere. I think there were still some people who didn't have them. And so I think maybe just saying the whole name is, is just kind of... These days, no one would even think of that. Um, but I do like how Job is like, I'm not fit to run a company and I don't deserve a fancy phone. <laughs> And then uh, Tobias insists that he does deserve a fancy phone. And the narrator says, 
He doesn't. <laughs> uh, which I quite like. <laughs> this is where Michael, he's trying to figure out how serious things are between Oscar um, and Lucille. Uh, and we find out that it started as kind of like revenge, but now she's kind of fallen in love with Oscar. Um, and she says, it's nice not to have to worry about getting pregnant. The doctor said I couldn't be a mother now if I tried. Um, and Michael, of course, says, and that was without interviewing me. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this 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 kind of the contentment where she she gives Oscar some hot tea and says, because he's a hot tea. <laughs> I love how Oscar kind of hates it so much where he's just like, stop me from pouring this on myself. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> this is where Lucille, she had the rape horn last, I think, in episode one where where Buster actually had it um, and he kind of like fired it off. And um, also um, Tobias fired it off to stop Michael from saying something. Um, and here... <laughs> After it's been sounded, Oscar says it's more like a starter's pistol, and of course Michael just says run because he's uh, attempting to <laughs> to encourage Oscar to leave. Um, and then I, I kind of like that um, uh, Tobias is figuring out how to work the phone, but it keeps it keeps going off um, with the uh, with Job's chosen ringtone, which of course is the final countdown by Europe. Um, kind of making its appearance here as, as like a, a kind of uh, like a very simple uh, ringtone. Um, yeah, like those old, like the ringtones you would download for like 99 cents that were just like 8-bit beeps. Yeah, nice little MIDI file. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, Tobias set about learning how to operate his new cell phone. Oh, You know, while he's doing that, the camera keeps going off while he's sitting in the bath. Um, and with no water in it either, because he drops it. <laughs> yeah. <at the> <laughs> yeah, and the weird thing is, I don't think I ever noticed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can hear it like thump on the bottom of the, uh, <laughs> of the tub. Yeah, and and of course, um, Tobias was cured of his need to wear cutoffs um, in the middle of season one, and that is um, still true until we get to the end of this episode. Um, so he's not wearing cutoffs. Uh, which becomes an important plot point. And now Lindsay is attempting to spend time getting to know Maybe, uh, which of course is something that Maybe resents deeply, um, as shown in previous episodes where her parents um, kind of threatened divorce. And this meant, of course, they would spend more time with Maybe, so she she encouraged them to stay together. Um, what What I love is when the bell goes off for class, uh, Lindsay goes, is that a fire? (laughs) It's like... As though, you know, as though she, she, I don't know why she would think that was a fire alarm, but I just love how completely oblivious she is. Lindsay is kind of flirting towards Steve Holt, where she says, she says, I'm much, much, much older than 15. And Steve, after a moment of hesitation, says, you don't look it. And I, I love how... Uh, yeah, almost like a question. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, love, uh, I love how Lindsay says... Uh, he thinks I'm young which is, she says it's such a weird kind of her voice makes it sound so odd after Lindsay leaves uh, maybe says that uh, that she's not my mom um, and this is where Steve Holt says but she said you were her daughter and maybe goes his daughter that's my dad and and maybe actually says 
uh, after after Steve Holt exclaims, "That's a dude," uh, she says, and the worst part is he thinks he's passing, uh, which is kind of, I mean, maybe has been like quite cruel. And obviously, I understand that she just basically doesn't want Lindsay to be anywhere near Steve Holt. Uh, but this is kind of more one of the more crueler things that she has done uh, yeah. to her mother in the show, particularly the line about passing because. That is like such a kind of unnecessary extra dig. I also think that that's the line that makes it the most like, ooh, I don't know yeah. how this yeah. holds up. Um, yeah, yeah. There's another one a little bit later, but yeah, that's that's the big one. Where it's like, oh boy. Yeah. This sure is a show made ten years ago. And pretty much like everything else, I think in like the whole series doesn't really have that element. So I guess maybe they had the the foresight to put both of the cringy parts in the same episode. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can kind of understand what the storyline's trying to do, but I just don't think, you know, 12 years later it really completely works. I mean, a lot of the humor around it still holds up. It's just a lot yeah. of the... A lot of the language about it, yeah. A lot of the language about it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, think the joke would, the... I think the joke still kind of works, but I think the language would be different if it was done today. Absolutely. This is where we get one of my favorite scenes between Buster and Job. Rarely do they, have, they, do they share a storyline, mostly because, you know, Job makes um, Buster hit himself when he isn't feeling depressed. And I love Job's discussion of, like, his freakout, where he says, Like a little girl, little dress, little saddle shoes, little pigtails. And Buster goes, Well, that does sound like a little girl. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how he's kind of like, get my eye up, push me. And then, you know, Job kind of does it and starts kind of like pushing Buster, who's who's kind of sitting on the swing. And Buster kind of like goes, oh, this is turning out to be more fun than I hoped. (laughs) And then he's like, push me higher. And then as he does, he kind of like just gets into being on the swing himself. And I, I just love that kind of moment between these two brothers where, you know, Job is so kind of depressed and down that he can't even be bothered to like bully Buster in any way. And he actually has fun with him unintentionally. Yeah, Yeah, there's a great little physical bit too where like he's still swinging his arm with Buster's um Swinging on his own. <laughs> yeah. He's just so depressed he's not even paying any attention. This is where um, George finds out that, the, you know, the prosecutor has offered the deal. Uh, but obviously Michael is, is kind of like, you know, making it clear that Oscar is on his way out. Um, obviously he doesn't want his dad to go anywhere. So, I mean, that's kind of a lie. <laughs> I mean, Oscar kind of is unhappy, but he's not actually going anywhere yet. He's still kind of staying there. Uh, and this is where we find out that George has broken a breast pump. Um, and I kind of like the line as the scene not, finishes. Not knowing that that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, where where he says, oh, well, I did not use it for that. Um, and this this is actually a setup for a joke that will pay off in like five or six episodes time where uh, Michael has a line where he says, I had to take all of the pumps out of the attic. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, so that'll get called back to. The, the photos emerge... Uh, and Wayne Jarvis, once again relying on the uh, Patriot Act, uh, has tapped into the Bluth emails. And um, I love that when Michael questions if it's legal, Barry just leaves the room to go and get a hot ding dong. Uh, like he, I mean, this actually does apply to the Patriot Act, unlike the other one. <laughs> the other one makes no sense. This is what the Patriot Act did. <laughs> yeah, 
And now that I think about it, um, Barry definitely wants a hot ding dong often. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, but I think him leaving there is because he doesn't have any clue about if it is legal and he doesn't want to be asked the question. So he just kind of runs away. <laughs> Wayne Jarvis details how they think that it's close up satellite photography of the Iraqi countryside um, and that it's proof of weapons of mass destruction and that uh, George Senior was building on the land to hide them which I don't really think makes any sense but I love here well so that when the when the US satellites flew yeah, over yeah they just head, see the housing development they don't they see just, the uh... exactly yeah yeah um, and then of course here Michael asks are you serious and Wayne Jarvis says almost always I was once called the worst audience participant Cirque du Soleil ever had. And of course, Michael says, This is a big accusation. And he goes, Well, Michael, I did not find their buffoonery amusing. Uh, <laughs> and of course, Wayne Jarvis here says that uh, George Sr. is guilty of uh, medium to heavy treason, which, of course, George Sr. himself has framed it as light treason. So I think it's interesting as well that, they, that everyone is quite clear on the different degrees of treason that is... Uh, that is going on. You know, Lucille is looking for Michael because he's encouraged Oscar to leave, and Oscar has left, it turns out. Uh, he's disappeared. Lindsay <laughs> apparently accidentally ran into Steve Holt, uh, which obviously we know is definitely not an accident. And, you know, Steve's line here where he says, Wow, everything about you is so womanly. <laughs> You're everything a woman should be. Which... Lindsay takes as a compliment, but I don't think it, it's kind of meant as one. I think, obviously, he's meant to be kind of... Yeah, Steve Holt says it as a way, like, wow, I can't believe that you're trans, and she's taking it as, like, I'm a perfect specimen. <laughs> yeah. And the weird thing is she then took him out on a lunch date, so I'm not sure how Steve Holt has not been able to figure out going on. I guess he's just polite, you know. And then this is where, this is where we find out that, um, you know, uh, Lucille has been in the house... Saying, saying the word tingling over and over again <laughs> in earshot of George Senior. And obviously Michael goes up to the attic to try and find if his father's there and he, he finds that George Senior has, has also escaped from the attic. There's a, a great visual gag too with um with George Senior after he's been listening where he's got the uh, the lines from the grate on his face. Yeah. He's been pushing his <laughs> yes. so hard. Yeah. Um, and, you know... Um, Lucille, when called by Michael, says that he tried to scare Oscar away, which didn't work. And then, of course, George, as Oscar, is saying, uh, I just wanted to have sex with you. That's all I'm good for. And I love his kind of shy line reading of that. Um, But I'm more surprised that the wig, which he stole from the box of wigs in the (laughs) attic, like managed to stay on or even convinced Lucille that that was... Oscar? Because I don't think it's a... Every time George Sr. is dressed as Well, he's doing Oscar. such a good job of pretending to be a hippie. How could she not notice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's also, we can assume she's drunk. Sure. Yeah. I mean, And it's just... And every time George plays Oscar, it's the funniest thing. Like, yeah. Jeffrey Tambor does such a fantastic job at playing a character pretending to be another character he plays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I love how kind of downcast he plays it and kind of... He he always takes the the opportunity to emphasize how worthless Oscar is by having him insult yeah. himself. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is where George, when asked, should we take it to the bedroom? He says, "Only if you really love me." And she says, "Of course I do." And this causes George to leave. Um, and I love how on the way out he screams, "I'm on mushrooms! I'm on bad mushrooms!" <laughs> 
which I kind of love. Oh, there's also a callback earlier to smoking weed like a cigarette. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which is obviously something that other members of the Blue family, apart from Oscar, seem to be completely... They don't seem to be able to know how to say it without sounding like a narc. And I love how we... I mean, I guess... Years later, this seems like more of a political commentary than I think it was at the time. I think at the time it was just a quick joke. But the fact that they used John Beard and Fox, a Fox News program, to say that they def- they have definite proof of WMDs. And then later on, when they find out it's not true, the headline changes from we knew it to we blew it. I think that's <laughs> intentional, personally. With the amount of shots that Arrested Development takes at Fox... Over the yeah. show, I think that's... And the Bush administration. Yeah. Yes. I just exactly. feel like like 12 years later, it seems more political than it was. I think at the time, it was just like a quick joke. And they were using John Beard anyway. But I think because it's on a Fox News program, it, it looks more satirical than it, I think it was intended to be. Um, but I do love his... And also well, at the time... It's local Fox too, which is different from... Um, yeah. From... Yeah. Fox News, Fox News. But, uh, and I think at the time it was just like some people thought that this might like, you know, we might not find them. But now in hindsight, we're like, well, we know what happened. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't find any. Yeah. So it's a lot more like biting. Do I do love that John Beard finishes the announcement by saying what that means for your weekend at 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like WMDs have been found. How is that going to affect your weekend? Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, Buster... Because of these WMDs, everyone's shipping out. And obviously, Sergeant Baker, who I should mention is played by Cedric Yarbrough, um, who here, he, you know, he's only making a brief cameo in this in this one episode. Uh, but he's been in a lot of different things. Most notably, uh, he was in Reno 911 or 911, however yeah, you that's, say that. Yeah, that's... Reno 911 is where I know him from. Yeah, and he was on the uh, the Fox adaptation of the Australian show Rake. Uh, but more recently, as oh. as this episode goes out, he's... I mean, he's also been on some episodes of the Goldbergs, uh, but most recently he's on uh, Speechless uh, with Minnie Driver and uh, John Ross Bowie. Yeah, so he, he, he cannot basically motivate uh, Buster because of the, the earlier lawsuit. And um, so obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, Job has come along and <laughs> I... I, uh, I like the speech all the way up until the final word where Job says, are you going to allow your children and your children's children and any children that I might have out there <laughs> to live in fear for the rest <laughs> of their lives? Uh, obviously, given that Steve Holt is in this episode, I think that line is deliberate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and obviously he finishes by saying, climb that wall, homo. And obviously Sergeant Baker agrees, climb it. The reason why I think this joke actually lands, though, is because, like, there's, like, a music swell, and it's so dramatic for such, like, a childish thing to say (laughs) that, like, they make it seem Mm. like he's, like, inspiring him, but really he's just another obnoxious bully. I mean, I think the joke still works without the final word in that speech, but... That's true, that's true. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, Buster makes it over the wall, and as he lands, Joe punches him (laughs) in the stomach. (laughs) <laughs> and he says, now, when you do this without getting punched, you'll have more fun. Which was, of course, how he motivated his brother to go down the slide at the, the playground when they were young. Well, and also, you know, he's doing it for the army. So presumably next time he climbs the wall, he's going to be getting shot at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it'll be more fun, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, maybe 
let's George Michael know that they found WMDs, so we got a half day. And I just love that that's like the excuse. And then obviously, you know, George Michael's grade has gone down to a C. You know, maybe says, well, the B got your glasses. Maybe this time you'll get a neck brace. <laughs> Uh, which I just kind of love. The final line of the scene, I'm almost certain, would not be in any show today. Yeah, definitely. Where yeah. maybe explains about how she's obsessed with Steve Holt, uh, but all he wants to talk about is, um, you know, her, her mother. Uh, and then Lindsay was overhearing this, and she kind of leaves, and the narrator says, she would have felt worse if she'd remained even a moment longer. And maybe says... But that's only because she thinks she's got. He thinks she's got a penis. Uh, oh, I told him she was a tranny. Now I think the first half of that joke is fine. I don't think that that those, those last few words would uh, would would be in the show yeah. today. Yeah. And I don't even I don't even really think it needs it for the for the joke to land because I think just saying um, that Steve. Yeah, saying the first part gets the point. Across, yeah, I think the first part is yeah, funny enough. Definitely. I guess they. You know, obviously it's 2004, things were different, but I still think that it's kind of a bit of overkill. And the thing is coming right after the scene with Job and, and you know, the him saying homo, I just it just feels like a little kind of too much for this episode. Yeah, it's like they agreed. really kind of, both of these jokes, they really kind of went over the top with the amount of times that they, they, they went back to them. Then we get back to Michael and George Sr. in the attic. And... Um, you know, for the first season, most of the stuff that happened between Michael and George Sr. took place in the prison. Um, you know, apart from the stuff with the whole conjugal visit, which it turned out to be not that much of a nice act that Michael did because George Sr. <laughs> wanted Kitty rather than Lucille. Um, but I think that this scene is kind of, you know, um, I would say a little bit touching because George Sr. does genuinely seem like heartbroken that Lucille would like be over him and would have moved on to her, to his brother. Um, and I think it's, it's nice that, um, you know, when George senior says, I have no love in my life anymore, you know, Michael kind of realizes, um, like what his, what his father's life is, you know, like him being in the attic, wearing maternity clothes, it's kind of a ridiculous joke, but you know, the underlying, thing in this episode is the fact that George Sr. thinks Lucille's moved on from him and obviously that would be something that would genuinely be upsetting and I, I kind of like the way that they handle it with Jeffrey Tambor and um yeah definitely yeah yeah it's a really really nice scene and I think as well kind of when by the time we get to the end of the episode we find out that Michael is like he doesn't he doesn't in the next scene when he's with um Wayne Jarvis he he doesn't say you know um where his father is and obviously this is where Barry reveals uh, the, the pictures are actually balls, uh, and I do like uh, the line. I love this delivery. The line. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. I love the line <laughs> reading of "those are balls" because it's just <laughs> it's just such a great line reading from Henry Winkler. And I like how he says, "This close, they always look like landscape." Nope, you're looking at balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love how they they kind of go back through the whole. They say the information sharing network put in place by the Patriot Act, <laughs> and I kind of I kind of love how they get to like the sit room and the, like the, the guy is like they're balls, 
Uh, and then we we go to two pilots, and one goes, "We're looking at balls. Turn it around." <laughs> uh, and this is a joke that I don't mind them repeating over and over in this episode, where everyone's like, "In the, the second pilot, I love how he's like copy on the balls," and it's, it's, yeah, it's like such a great joke. Uh, with of course, you know, <laughs> John Beard says we got one wrong, uh, which I kind of love. And as they're doing that, you see Tobias looking at the screen, and he goes. I'm on TV. And I just, I just love kind of how unsure he is. As George Michael takes off his glasses, he sees the photograph of the balls, and um, we flash back to um, Tobias trying to get up to the top bunk, and uh, George Michael insisting that there's a ladder, and Tobias saying he doesn't need it. And obviously, the implication is that even with the cutoffs, uh, it did not effectively hide Tobias's thunder. Um, <laughs> it's good. um, David Cross is so good at that, like super awkward <laughs> physical comedy too. Yeah. yeah, it's a really great like kind of flashback, and it's not a flashback to a scene that had previously happened either. It's a flashback to you know something for this new joke, and then we we kind of we kind of get back to Michael and George Senior, you know, because he he you know says that he hasn't turned them in. Obviously, I think the fact that it turned out to be balls is kind of more of a the reason why he didn't get a chance to do that, but. You know, he makes it clear he wasn't going to turn him in. Um, and, you know, this is where he says, uh, I don't know whether it's just Tracy's maternity clothes, but it's very nice to see a softer side of you. Um, and, you know, he, he says that, I'm sorry that you feel you have no love in your life. Michael Hamming stood up for George Senior. He says, I don't feel that way anymore. And, you know, this there's, it's rare that you get moments just between George Senior and Michael where they actually have... Uh, like a touching moment like this, because as the season goes on, Michael will be less tolerant to the fact that his father's hanging around in the attic, and it will become more confrontational. Well, you can't ha- you can't have touching moments like that in season one because in the prison there's no touching. <laughs> no, there is not. <laughs> we find out that George Senior has you know put some of Trace's perfume on as well. I don't think this is kind of explicitly stated in the episode, but. It seems that Michael was hanging on to the last bit of that perfume because he wanted to be able to, you know, smell what his wife would have smelt like. Um, And, you know, he doesn't get angry or anything that George Senior has used the last little bit of it. You know, he just says, uh, it's nice on you. And, you know, I think it's kind of almost like there's a little bit of closure here as well for Michael... Uh, to do with the death of his wife, um, which is something that they never really address on the show, aside from having it as kind of like a, a joke. Um, so it's kind of interesting that this is kind of the most that they've talked about um, Tracy Bluth in the series so far. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Until, uh, until the wedding next year. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah, until we get to the Ocean Walker, they don't they don't really kind of talk about her that much. Um, so, but I just, I just kind of like, I like these moments between Jeffrey Tambor and Jason Bateman. I think, kind of the way their relationship is portrayed as the show goes on, like with you know, uh, you know, Michael wanting to kind of please his father and George Senior always trying to push Michael to do more. Uh, I think it's nice to have an episode where, you know, Michael tried to find out if Lucille was in love with Oscar. You know, he 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 was trying to find out something for his father. He didn't turn him in. I think it's, you know, there's a lot of sweet moments in this episode between the two of them. And I think that's kind of like a nice way for the show to finish. 
And then, of course, we get the on the next, um, where Oscar returns, but of course Lucille is now <laughs> distant, um, and you know Oscar is happy about that. Uh, so, so they're kind of back to how they've always been, basically. Um, and then, of course, I'm going to skip actually to the, the the final part of the on the next, where Tobias. Uh, traumatized by public exposure, returns to an unfortunate quirk where he runs up to the attic and grabs the cutoffs. And then, of course, George emerges and says, "There were cutoffs up here." Wearing the most dress-like thing that he's had all uh, yeah episode two yeah yeah. Um, and in between that, we get Lindsay reconciling with her daughter. Um, you know, and Lindsay plays off her interest in Steve Holt as checking out to see if he was good enough for her daughter uh, which leads maybe to give Lindsay a top that has a word written on it that maybe insists is pronounced shimale uh, but which is obviously not uh, and I, this is kind of the final part of this joke that I don't think would um, would be in the show were it no, really. a more recent yeah because <laughs> I do not think that having she male as like a punchline to this storyline uh, would be something that the show would try. Even though, obviously, you know, maybe he's kind of deciding to pronounce it in a French manner uh, is kind of funny, but I just don't think that the show really would have gone there. Um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of unfortunate that this story... Because I, I really like Steve Holt, and I like the whole kind of him still being a senior for three years... <laughs> Um, and we'll see a bit more of him in a few episodes' time with uh, with Immaculate Election. But I just think the whole kind of, like, she-male, tranny, all that stuff in this episode, I, I just don't think it really works anymore. Yeah, and overall, like, it's still a really good episode, but then there's just like, yeah. one like, black mark on it. Yeah, and I think combined with, like, the homo stuff as well, combined with both Buster and Job saying that, uh, it just kind of makes the episode a little sour for me, but... Um, you know, well, I think having an entire, you know, three seasons that are over a decade old now, and only having one episode with some like outdated stuff is still not too bad. Well, like, it's also I'll... interesting too, like the the Tobias sexuality stuff um, still holds up perfectly. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and it, I don't know if it's it's because the characters either just so dumb or so oblivious or whatever. However, um, you know that works out, but but for whatever reason like that that stuff so comes out fine but this is just nope because i think tobias comes from a perspective of just like obliviousness to his own like everything about him like he doesn't know the words he's saying he doesn't know how people view him so i think that's just like he's not even aware of his own sexuality and how obvious it is to everyone else i don't think that's completely true because in the pilot and the second episode Lindsay basically states outright that she thinks Tobias is gay. That's true. So, but even then, he, like, totally deflects it. Yeah, yeah. There are a few and more like, episodes. And, like, I feel like that's more from a character perspective, where this is more kind of just, like, the joke is the sexuality. And, you know, all credit to um, Sam Pancake, which I believe is his true name, playing James Allen Spangler. In the previous episode, you know, where he called Barry a she... And Barry was like, I'm not a, a girl. You know, like, I think that worked. I think the way he played the character worked. And even though he's only got one line in this episode, I think he delivers it really well. 
and I think his character, um, you know, is kind of in on the joke, and and that that part works. Um, so maybe some of the kind of like homo stuff works, but I just think all the stuff with Lindsay just doesn't really just doesn't really work anymore. Uh, and I'm not I'm yeah. not 100 sure that it really worked in 2004. I think. This is one of the instances. This is one of the instances of the show kind of almost going for overkill on like a joke, and it not really coming, not really working that well. Um, I did also want to mention that this is the first appearance of uh, of the actor who plays Cho, who is uh, Wayne Jarvis's assistant, um, uh, played by a guy who's simply known as Mitsu. Um, and he will return with Wayne Jarvis, that, like in season three, when they're when they, they you know when they're there together. Like, there's a lot of jokes between the two of them and how serious Cho is um, yeah. with with Wayne Jarvis. Uh, he doesn't get to do much in this episode, but in in future episodes he'll get to do more. Um, and I, I I really kind of like his character. Um, so, is there anything else to say about this episode? Did you do you? understand why George Sr. stays when he stays and leaves when he leaves? Uh, or should we hammer that I out? I mean, if you want to if you want to get into it a little bit, Ryan. Uh, well, just briefly, he's staying because he wants to be with uh, Lucille. So he's basically like staying until... Because once... If she's definitely in love with Oscar and happy with Oscar, he doesn't... There's no reason for him to stay with the family. He could go off on his own. And then after he sees that they're happy together between him saying that and him seeing them together, he realized that Michael has a chance for immunity. So then he switches his reason to staying where he goes, I, what's the difference between me running away or going to jail if I'm not going to be with Lucille anyway, so I'll stay for your benefit. And then when Michael tells him, you know, you don't have to do that, I'm not going to turn you in, then it kind of just goes back to the status quo. So he's actually staying for two different reasons depending on when on in the episode <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, I guess that's why it always confuses me when he finds out that she's in love with Oscar and he still stays. It just kind of... Yeah, because in the middle of the episode is when he finds out about the deal they offered him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm glad we sorted that out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I'm going to say then on the next episode of uh, I've Made a Huge Mistake, I'm going to be getting into... Um, some afternoon delight, uh, and of course the question is: oh, the question is how do I how do I get it into me? <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll, 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 I can't even I can't even do I can't do the same delivery that Jeffrey Tambor does as Oscar. So I'm not going to try and do that joke because <laughs> I just love that joke so much and how much it disgusts Michael. So we'll save that for the next episode anyway. My <laughs> guests will be Michael Rader and and Jesse Whitehead. Uh, so I'm hoping that you come back then. Otherwise, is there anything that you wish to plug? And I'm going to start with Kevin. I'm on the uh, the Post Office Horror Podcast, which is is this for Star Trek. Um, we're currently in the middle of Voyager right now, so please keep us in your thoughts and prayers. And um, my general TV thoughts uh, can be found on whyamiwatching.blogspot.com. Uh, and can we follow you on Twitter? Yes, I am Funk2 on Twitter. I'm one of the hosts on Divisive Issues, where we talk about controversial comic books. Some are terrible, some are great. And that's uh, basically anywhere you get podcasts or also on the Comrade Radio Network. So if you go to comraderadio.com, we will be there. Great stuff. And also Divisive Issues on Twitter. And my Twitter is StoopKidLivesOn. <laughs> like the Hey Arnold character. 
character, so uh, I make lots of stupid jokes there. So thanks to both of you for joining me for this episode. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and otherwise, goodbye. Bye. See ya.